As always, I'm your host, Tom White. Today, I'm joined by Marcus Jones. Marcus Jones is the Chief Technology Officer and Managing Director at Weave. Weave is an IT platform for industrial data. Marcus has a heavy background in engineering and a real passion for deep tech, realizing the potential of blockchain, but also how that works with IoT. This is gonna be a really interesting talk and certainly one for all you tech lovers out there. Marcus, thank you so much for joining us today on the IoT Podcast Show. Tom, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. Marcus, could you start by uh, speaking a little bit about your background in IoT and how it is that you've mm. come to, uh, to be the Managing Director and CTO at Weave? I'm a bit of a, a newcomer to IoT, actually. So um, I started at a research institute in Austria, and we were doing building energy design, uh, so design for renewable energy systems and photovoltaics and other types of uh, advanced energy systems. And I was actually simulating a lot of these designs. And simulation is an interesting approach when you think about IoT in reality. Simulation is sort of an idealized form of that. I could always know the entire state, the thermodynamic state of the absolute entire system, like every electricity flow, every uh, mass flow rate temperature, so this is sort of, um, if we get a little philosophical, like a platonic ideal of what you can actually learn about a building in real time. And then I was actually responsible for implementing some of the IoT systems, so specking them out at least, and then supervising on site. And, and then I learned the reality, you know, is very different from this idealized world. And I started to really think about, um, big data topics, connectivity topics. So another project I had was, was in Senegal, and it's a remote village project where we had to provide off-grid electricity with photovoltaic systems in Senegal. And then there's a whole other set of uh, issues and challenges, like the, the connectivity, of course. So you're driving through the, the savannah, there's no roads, there's, there's no electricity grid. The only thing you see are these huge, massive cell phone towers. You're driving along and there's nothing, and suddenly there's a huge cell phone tower. So there's connectivity. And, and then that also leads to a certain certain IoT um, framework, right? So it's it's uh, it's about keeping data um, lightweight when you're you don't want to send the entire data stream across the, the 3G network because it's expensive. And uh, connectivity is maybe not the most reliable thing. So that that led me to think about um, yeah a lot of these really innovative topics you know not just IoT and data but also I started getting really interested in machine learning before it was called machine learning just you know statistics and then um, there's a lot of momentum behind that and I decided to make uh, a shift to to leave engineering consulting and project management to to go back to school essentially and and learn about data science blockchain where I started out a, a blockchain startup in Berlin. And yeah, this blockchain startup was really um, a formative experience for me. So it's sort of a, a cluster of innovation and, and I'll never forget the experience I had there with these, with these amazing engineers and, and the whole team. Um, and started to think about their application was in the data space. So how do we de democratize access to data, uh, marketplaces for data, powered by the blockchain. Mm -hmm. So it was during during my time at this startup, I was at a, a hackathon in Berlin. So I, I loved going to hackathons because it's a great way to, to just get thrown into uh, new technologies. 
there was um, an Ethereum blockchain hackathon in Berlin. And one of the sponsors was a venture studio here in Berlin called Next Big Thing. And I loved what they were doing. They had a, a little demonstrator of a, I think it was, um, yeah, it was a rowing machine connected to the Ethereum blockchain. So the more you would row, the more tokens you would accumulate and you could use that to buy something like in a vending machine. So it's just a really cool little POC. So I thought, oh, this is a really interesting um, group of people and started talking with them about uh, some of my ideas. And finally, um, they came and said, yeah, we have this, this startup that was founded in 2017 as a bit of a research, uh, like a joker in the deck of cards, I would call it. So it was a startup called Weave. And they they had some intellectual property. They they had some blockchain IP, and they said, um, "Yeah, would you like to take this portfolio company?" So that the original team had left already, and they had this company, and that's that's how I joined Weave as the uh, the re-founder, I would say, of Weave in uh, 2020. Oh, excellent! Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's one of the best thing about hackathons in general right is that you get thrown into uh complicated challenges and and, and yeah. work with with peers uh, but also from a networking perspective right so you've been you've Absolutely. been able to meet, meet this business and and uh you know rejoin as, as a founder of the company um i mean it's you know it's really impressive obviously your background and, and next big thing you know has a has a number of portfolio businesses and, and uh, projects on as a company one of the key things that we see time and time again, Marcus, and, and perhaps you can shed some light on this, is is how can you know a startup business, albeit a portfolio company of a, of a larger organisation, how can you compete against a landscape dominated by such massive players in the IoT field? Yeah, the IoT space has a lot of challenges that I think a lot of your previous guests have done a great job highlighting. Um, that that make it difficult, especially for a startup to approach um, approach the market. So let's consider, um, especially if, if we consider B2B business models instead of B2C, you know, of course that's also very challenging. Uh, B2B has uh, longer lead times. You need to develop a relationship with, with an enterprise. So you, you ideally have a network that you can fall back on. So you either have experience with it or you have an existing network. So already, that can lend itself well to the hypothesis of next big thing, the venture studio, where they say, <clears throat> we understand these challenges and therefore we provide um, a backbone for you to, to fall back to. Yeah, so they provide a network. Uh, another challenge is the, the capital required to actually build hardware. Mm. Um, in, in, if, you're, if you're in that space, I mean, if, in any case, you need to interact with hardware. So one, um, uh, going back to MBT, you know, one other advantage they offer is to have a, a fully equipped lab with uh, with a team of embedded engineers that you can you can rely on. Um, so yeah, the advantages though there's there are a lot of advantages to being a startup. So one is simply you're coming at it um, and you you probably have a greenfield in front of you, right? So it means you don't necessarily have a legacy of of an existing IoT suite or uh, an existing set of protocols that you need to use if you're already a big enterprise, right? So they might have some existing industrial IoT protocols that you have to use. They might have some infrastructure that you might have to use. And so I, that just lends itself to um, the, the word being agility, right? So a startup is able to, to 
you know, react to the current state of the market um, in the first instance, and then also changes in the market, just because we're smaller, right? So we can quickly, very quickly make a decision without needing to, you know, file the forms in triplicate. Yeah, well, I think that I think that's one of the best things about being a smaller business is that agility, you know, um, and, and often is the case of, you know, large organizations that they can't fundamentally change their business model or react quickly enough. And nothing's been more evident than that since last year, of course, with the pandemic, Marcus, yeah. um, and businesses, Absolutely. you know, reprioritizing, focusing and, and changing where they are. Um, and, it, and it's, you know, widely spoken about about you know the ventilator shortage and some of the mm -hmm. companies that joined together to uh to work to create ventilators early on during the the first lockdowns of the pandemic yeah. um, so completely agree with you on that thank you so much for sharing it um in terms of uh weave and and the wider picture of what we now call iot um of course gone by machine to machine and gone by various other names in, in years past but what what do you foresee as the main challenges in mass uh, adoption uh, but also um you know um funding as well from sort of private equity and, and yeah. VCs? so many challenges um i think we have you know enough history we can look back and say that there there is not really a more complex space than iot so let's talk about you know one of our um, key key assumptions of what the challenges are. One of them being fragmentation, and that means we have so many different protocols, different hardware standards, different application areas. So IoT, Internet of Things, what's the thing? You know we have different different market segments. We have enterprise IoT, we have consumer IoT, micro mobility, on and on. Um, so that's already one of the big challenges is simply the fragmentation of the, or heterogeneous we can use as a, as a word. So it's really, this thing is not like the other. And then how do you then integrate it? Integration, that, that's another big challenge. Um, so you would typically have in an enterprise, you might have a, a one-off project. Let's, let's digitalize the factory. So let's stand up a team. Let's hire some consultants. Uh, here we go. We've got this dig digitalization project underway. And then you find out, okay, it's, it's working, yeah? And then, then you find out, oh, you need to change something. Um, so reusability, how do you then, all that work that you've invested, if you, like once the project is stood up, you might, you might need to decrease the team and then they're, they're there for operations, but they're not necessarily equipped to, to take the next evolution in IoT. So to take advantage of machine learning, let's say, at the edge. Um, and so then you need another, another project, another implementation project. So reusability is another challenge that I think is coming from the, the fragmentation side. And then what we're really interested in um, at Weave is the, the issues related to, to data custody. So a, a data, data custody, data privacy, ownership of data. One of your previous guests, unfortunately I don't recall the, the name. So I was listening to some of your, your podcasts um, what one of your guests said something along, along the lines of, you know, IoT, IoT data streams are equivalent to revenue streams, right? Maybe not equivalent, but they're, they're definitely leading to, uh, to value. So um, by gaining access to, to the state of my factory, I can very quickly make a decision. I could, do, uh, I could send a maintenance team to fix it. I, can, I know my uptime, I can optimize. So that data is, is, is very valuable. 
but it's also private. So uh, there, there are several cases. One, one case um, I, can, I can recall of a, a big corporate wanted to use uh, 3D printers for manufacturing. And they learned of uh, a manufacturer who had a 3D printer, which would be suitable. And then they, you know, do, during the project implementation or the let's even pre-feasibility phase, they found out, oh yeah, you have this, what's this port here you, you have open to the outside? And, and they say, yeah, this is so we can, we can log in and we can see the state of your, your system. And that was a no-go immediately, right? So, because you could actually from, just from, from looking at the raw data streams, you can already see um, perhaps what is this company producing? How many widgets are they producing per hour? Or, or something else that might lead you to gain a competitive advantage. You know, you just can't make you you just can't take that risk. So the data custody is a really a really interesting challenge in the IoT space that we see coming up more and more. And then the final one, um, and again, like these are th like three main assumptions of one of the main challenges coming in as as a startup. The other one would be security, right? So and that's related to to data custody and, and privacy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I um, I can I, I can completely agree, and I think you know, the person uh, you mentioned that on the previous show is absolutely right. You know, data is such a valuable stream of income these days, and 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 you see it from the mass adoption of data centers out there, right? You know, mm -hmm. with big name brands, Amazon, Google, etc., spending you know millions and millions on this because. It, it, it's truly, you know, the future and harvesting that to to create a direct revenue stream about what should I be doing, where should I be using this, and, mm. and so on and so forth. Um, and I think that's one of the main benefits, this big big data effect in IoT. Marcus, you've mentioned a few times, uh, both in writing and 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 in talks that you've done about the phrase machine economy. Now, for our listeners who may not be aware of that, what does that mean to you and, and why should we take notice of that? Yeah, so I'm, I was really excited to, to talk with you about this topic. So I, at Weave, we have a, a platform approach to IoT. But, you know, with my experience, I'm really, um, I'm quite bullish on, on decentralization. Uh, so let's take blockchain as, as an example. And that's, I believe, one of the building blocks of the machine economy will be one of the building blocks of the machine economy. So you can debate whether or not we're already living in the machine economy. So we already talked a little bit about, you know, data being valuable. So I think the next evolution is, is uh, machines that are able to autonomously transact with each other. So to exchange value between each other without human interaction. I think that's... Um, like I said, I just I, I love talking about this stuff because this is at Weave we have our let's say our uh, in our product roadmap we have this this platform approach to IoT to enable people to to gain access to insights about their data at the edge and to send that to third parties in a secure way. And a lot of the the technology there coming from blockchain, for example, is just waiting for for implementation. So I'm always designing for this next version. Of of our of IoT, let's say, and that that I do believe is the machine economy, and maybe I can maybe I can tell a bit of a story to make it a bit more concrete. So, if you consider the uh, let's let's pretend for a moment that we have a level five uh, self-driving vehicles out there, so they're able to autonomously navigate. 
And so consider, if you will, um, that these autonomous, these autonomous vehicles are also autonomous in the sense that they can make their own decisions. They can negotiate with their environment. So for example, let's take, let's take a car. It can make a decision based on the data it receives from other vehicles about what is the density in the city. Yeah. And they might choose to, to distribute themselves in, in, in an optimal way. So that would be one input, you know, how am I competing with other vehicles to provide mobility? Um, and, and another clear input would be, you know, what is the predicted, um, what is the predicted density of my, my, my passengers, right? So they could negotiate with other vehicles and say, um, yeah, let's just, let's, let's, you know, we, we know there's a big event coming. We saw this from the Google newsfeed or something. Let's line up in, let's line up around the block and maybe we can, we can provide connectivity. Or another classic example in this space would be uh, negotiating with charging stations for, um, yeah, for, you know, can, can you provide me a good rate? And are you close enough to me that it makes sense for me to make the trip to this charging station and then uh, connect to the charging station? And as as you're being charged, you you transact, you you pay for the for the electricity that's being delivered. So that's you know, take take that vision and apply it to to mobility, to uh, the connected connected digital factories, to satellites, and it, it just yeah, I just I'm gonna start vibrating if I talk about it too much. It's just so exciting <laughs> that I'm like I said, I, I really I, I I love talking about this stuff. I feel like I'm at the at just a, a great position. I feel like I'm really at the beginning of the journey because it's really the beginning of the of the machine economy right now. Yeah, totally. I um I, I'm very enthusiastic about it myself, right? Because of the reasons why we're so engulfed in this industry. Um, you know, it it, it it's evident anyone that's listened to to Klaus Schwab uh, or, or read his book on the fourth industrial revolution would be completely aware about just how poignant the shift is. Um, and it's uh, it's great to hear someone so passionate like like yourself, Marcus. One of the, one of the interesting things that you mentioned there is, is decentralization and talking about blockchain. Now, in my view and what I've seen in the past is I've seen a lot of people talk about ML, AI, blockchain, IoT, and they've really used it as kind of mm. buzzwords, right? Because they don't really yeah, understand. They don't classic. really under, Yeah, they don't really understand it, <laughs> and they talk about it. But mm. you know, you you you're clearly a good authority on this. I'd I'd love to understand your view on the combination of IoT and blockchain. And when we talk about IoT devices and the decentralization about that, can you can you go into a bit more depth about what that means to you and also within Weave? Yeah, great. Um, so I, I think I, I used the word bullish already. So I'm too, you know, people ask me the question quite often. Yeah, there's there's so much hype uh, right now. We're in the middle of another hype cycle of, of blockchain. Well, let's say from the yeah, you know, Dogecoin, right? It's, yeah. it's exploding right now. Elon Musk is tweeting about it. Bitcoin, Ethereum is on a tear. Um, we've seen the cycle go up and down. There's a lot of volatility, a lot of volatility, and there's a lot of hype around it. Um, so that being said, I, I do believe that there are fundamental primitives that the blockchain enables that that give it legs to to really change the way that uh, that our world works. Um, so 
yeah, to to talk a little bit about the history of blockchain, we have um, you know Bitcoin uh, as the the prime mover in the space, and some of the fundamental primitives I talked about are the ability to to talk about ownership in a new way. Um, it solves an issue of of ownership in the digital world. So, um, you know, possession tense of the law, and that that only applies to the physical space, right? So, if I if I'm holding um, if I'm holding my cell phone, and you can't take it away from me, you know, that's that's my cell phone more or less, um, and I can I can I can protect my my property, right? Because the other thing is, there's only one of them. Now, if you talk about a, a JPEG image, what does it mean to own a JPEG image right now? Um, you, there are things like copyright, but ultimately, a JPEG image is is fungible. To use another buzzword, so NFTs, non fungible tokens. But uh, it means that this JPEG image can be copied infinitely many times. And once that's once that happens, you've lost you've lost the rights to that in some sense because you don't have the right to prevent somebody from showing it to somebody else, right? Um, so that's one fundamental primitive that the blockchain really uh, enables you to, um, to, to, work, to work with. So um, let's take just the Bitcoin, right? Another very famous quote um, from in the blockchain space is not your keys, not your coins. So if you have a private key to your blockchain wallet, then you own the rights to that Bitcoin, for example. So um, that's that's enabled by the decentralized ledger. Yeah. Um, so if I lose control of my keys, I've lost my Bitcoin. But if I keep my keys private and secure, then I own that Bitcoin. The same can be applied to something like a JPEG. Um, not in the sense that you know people could still copy it, but if I own the the trace of that JPEG, or if I store the whole JPEG as data in the blockchain, and it's associated with my private key, um, you know, and in the blockchain it would be stored as public key, but that gives me, you know, I'm allowed to say like, at least I was the first one to register this JPEG, for example, or I was the first one to, let's try to bring it back to IoT. Um, I was, you know, I, as the, the firmware manufacturer, I've stored the hash, so that's like the signature of my my binary executable. Yeah, that's associated with a public key, which is in turn associated with my organization. So that allows you, as a factory owner, to say, or take a no, let's take a, a device manufacturer. It allows the device manufacturer to say, this firmware is actually produced by me, the the manufacturer, and you can trust that. So if you if you, in turn, on the device side, you want to guarantee that this firmware is, is is from the manufacturer, you could query the blockchain and say, "Hey, does this does this hash match? If if it does, then yeah, this is this is the this is the right firmware." Um, so that type of fundamental primitive uh, enabled by the block that fundamental concept enabled by the blockchain is what I is what I what I mean when I say I'm still bullish on this technology because. Of course, you could do this with a, a centralized database, right? But it's not so so explicit is better than implicit, and that's that's what the blockchain does. It puts it to the forefront: ownership, rights, um, security. All of these these things are empowered by the blockchain.
Yeah, fantastic. And that's such a great answer. And thank you for going in, in, in depth onto that, Marcus. What what does this mean, uh, you know, for the average person on the street, right? Mm. So a more high level explanation, what what can the benefit and what does the future look like of leveraging IoT and blockchain together for, for the average consumer? So I think um, there's, so I always, when I'm, when I'm giving a, a conference talk, I often start with a question, just a show of hands, who is currently using the blockchain on a daily basis? And I'm quite, I'm, in, I'm involved in a lot of technical conferences and typically, you know, people raise their hands because they, they might have some, they might have some, you know, some, some token somewhere, some Bitcoin. And then I ask, but are you using the blockchain uh, as, you know, as a utility token? Are you using it for some other utility other than just a store of value or a medium of exchange? And then I see most of the hands go down. And so I just wanted to preface this with, um, it's a bit of a, a vision exercise right now. There were a lot of promises about the utility of the blockchain. Um, you know, it would transform everything. It would replace traditional databases. It would, re it would replace authentication um, and, and identity. So we're still, we're still waiting for this transformation to happen. And um, to go back to the, even the first question, the, you know, there, we're right now in this, uh, again, with, with a, lot of, a lot of attention paid to, to blockchain technologies for, for reasons that I think, I think are great, right? Like store value um, and decentralized finance, really amazing technologies, but there's so much more coming. So IoT and blockchain for the average person. Um, so I think there are a lot of benefits for, for, for privacy again. So like private data, um, keeping ownership of, of your data and, and the rights that you have are I think some of the most powerful advantages. There are interesting applications in incentivization um, to incentivize people to to behave in a certain way, to be rewarded to behave in a certain way. Of course, it's you know I don't want to go into like this dystopian future where we're controlled by machines and technology. Um, so of course we have to be you know cautious and fair. Um, but I think we can also we can build fairness into the systems and we can build transparency into, into the system. So there's a fundamental primitive or, or more advanced concept in, in, in the web three community. So web 3.0 community uh, talking about on-chain governance. So the ability to, to, to vote and make decisions in a democratic way and to, to maintain control um, in a, in a democratic way again. So to, to step away from, having to rely on uh, to rely on big big enterprises or, or governments we can take matters into our own hands and so that's that's a pretty general statement um, and I think for the average consumer these things you know it should become at a certain point so it should become you know the average consumer should care as much about blockchain as much as they care about an SQL database, right? So, it's, you know, if you're if you're using Spotify, you're you're getting the benefit of a, of all this database technology, but it, ultimately, it's just a better experience for you, and that's that's what I see as the the final evolution of this technology. 
Yeah. Marcus, absolutely fantastic insights. And, you know, you're a real futurist when it comes to, you know, bleeding edge tech and, and what's going to happen, uh, you know, in the near future for us all. It's been an, a real pleasure having you on the IoT podcast show. Um, just just so that our listeners can find out more. Uh, Weave, I, I assume you're on social media. Where can people find out more about your position at Weave? Sure. So we are most active currently on LinkedIn. So I should say uh, Weave is spelled W. And our website is weave.network. Those are the two best places to catch us. Um, yeah. Excellent. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. Marcus, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you so much, Tom. It's been uh, great to philosophize with you about deep tech. I've enjoyed it. <laughs>